previously on Transformers. The child's key contains the power I need to make my triumphant return. Track the energy signal and find that key. Meanwhile, I will locate the source of the transmission. Megatron, alive? The fate of the Earth and Cybertron hang in the balance and all I've got to command are a bunch of undisciplined, insubordinate malfunctions! So why don't you just hand over the key and I'll be on my way? Yeah, well, you're a little too late. They didn't trust me with it anymore, so they took it away. Ratchet, take the key and head for the ship. We need to protect the Allspark, just in case the Decepticons try to make a move. The key, Autobot! You'll have to buy it from my cold offline servo! It's not exactly offline, but it's certainly cold. Trouble at Sundak Tower. It begins with a star and ends with a scream. What have I done? On your knees, human scum, and bow before the great and glorious Megatron, the priest of all Decepticons. Lion face, err, lemon face, ooh, lion face, err, lemon face, ooh. <laughs> We're back. Autobots, Decepticons, transform and rise up. Welcome back for another thrilling episode of Two Mike's Two Furious Animated Transformers, where you are Mike, and I am Mike, and he is Mike, and we are in the midst of Megatron Rising. So let's uh let's let's just get right to it. Oh, by the way, my name is Mike Cybert, and with me is Michael Andrews. Yeah, hello, Sparks old brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. We're possible. here. No, no intro, yeah, no vamping here. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's in the spirit of this episode, right? Because this episode starts with there is no waiting here. This is literally picking up where we left off. It is right into it's right into the swinging. Um, I did want to note that this episode is written by Marty Eisenberg proper, where the last one was written by Marsha Griffin. So I like this little end cap here. We have a proper Marty Eisenberg written episode. So I'm excited Absolutely. to dive right in. Y- you read my mind because I wanted to call that out as well. So this is Transformers Animated Season 1, Episode 16. It's our Episode 16 as well. And I also wanted to note that this episode aired on April 5th of 2008. So it's it was one week after Part 1, just like this is one week after our Part 1. Ooh. So it's all it's all just a, you know, lot, lots of uh, synergy. But anyway... Enough of that. Enough of that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So we so we so we pick up immediately where part one leaves off and Megatron casually descends to the ground, falling in reverse, floating in reverse. What is it like where you're you're, he descends down so slowly, but he's floating. It's a very casual just. Yeah. Yeah. Something about it, like an ember falling to earth uh, from mm-hmm. a firework or something is, is very beautiful. Uh, he drops into the street. And and what I 
why I wanted to bring up importantly uh, the Marty Eisenberg thing is that even though Marty Eisenberg is known for his great intros and and great banter and great dialogue, we are just right into fighting. Both sides know that there's no more, there's no time to be fucking around here. Um, so Bulkhead just goes to make his first move, and I love the moment he just sizes him up and he's like, "We're doing this," and and goes in for the first blow, and he's just batted away like a rag doll, right? Like if you, you, you know, you can have all the back and forth dialogue in the world, but nothing shows what they're up against with, with bulkhead, the biggest member of the team, just getting ping knocked into a building. Yeah. And, and just so casually and calmly, that's, that was the, the thing I was trying to describe with like the, this ember fall, like, like you just, uh, I mean, th- there's, there's no hurry in Megatron at this point. He's so confident in his return to power that he's not specifically in a rush it's like he doesn't come down with like a loud crash or there's no like three-point landing or anything he's just like i'm here and i'm i'm here to take all comers oh the big guy whatever yeah what else you got (laughs) the ninja dude whatever but um one of the things that that i saw is like you know as Megatron makes his descent, the trio of Optimus, Prowl, and Bulkhead, it, it's a combination of fear and disbelief. Like, you know, how, how, how can this be? That, that kind of thing. But then the thing that I didn't know was going to be part of this character model is um, he's got these heckin' swords. And like Megatron, not traditionally a sword guy. Um, And um, and I know we're getting like right into the action, but I want to talk about this character design a little bit because like I'm sure I'll, I'll talk about it in other things, too. But like the perspective of the swords, it's like. That's, you know, I mean, obviously it goes with his alt mode being like the, the, this weird uh, helicopter type of thing. But like usually when Megatron has a sword, it's from like like a giant more like broadsword perspective or maybe like a lightsaber uh, type of thing or something like that. But very rarely does he have like these, you know, I, I don't even know how to describe what I'm not a sword guy. So it's like they're not quite katanas, but close to it that that kind of thing yeah I don't there's know, a lightness that, and a lifeness and a streamlineness to them but yeah they're that's not the big you know berserker sword that you're used to you know yeah 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 but but either way it's like he he uses these to you know prow gets on the attack and again michael andrew's favorite the shurikens yeah 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 <laughs> but but, it, but again it's just it's just nothing ting 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 just right. uh uh you know he does like this helicopter spin move and um you know deflects them uh very easily yeah prowl's laid up fast and then and then we got a couple kids uh local local teens in danger here uh, in the city and uh this is i was like <laughs> Optimus uh, takes a page from Bumblebee's playbook, and I also wrote down that uh, this is where Cybert creams in his shorts, uh, yes. eloquently as I could put it, because we have the rocket axe paired with the Healy's move of Bumblebee, and we're getting it called out, which I think is awesome, that it is his signature move. Yeah, he he literally says, he's like, well, so he sees the kids, and he's like, oh man, I gotta get there in time. Uh, light bulb. Time to borrow a move from the Bumblebee playbook. And it was one of those things like I I don't I you know there, there's a there's a gif going around on Twitter it's like you know it's like uh you know Joe Rogan and some like other MMA commentator guys where it's like oh you know like they're all like thrown aback and yeah. like holding each other back and stuff like that so it's like I was like that and and the thing that 
I experienced a couple times throughout this viewing is where it's it's layered. So I was all I was already bouncing. I'm like, holy shit, wheels on heels. He's actually doing it. And then, because I have not seen this episode before, turns on the rocket on the axe, and I'm like, holy shit. And again, like I'm in a dark room by myself, and I'm like, holy shit, he did the thing. <laughs> and it's like I mean, I was I was like I could feel myself like bouncing in my chair. I was so excited. It was, it was a really cool moment for me. And I love this combination of, uh, of the wheels and uh, the ax and he scoops up these children. I love uh, as much as I love combat. I love rescue even more. Like, you know, he, you know, he, he's a, he's a fireman, you know, he's, he's a first responder. So it's like, you know, using, this combination of superpowers and the fact that, you know, he's Optimus fucking prime, you know, to, to save these kids fucking awesome. That's right. And I think it's important to show that we, 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 he learned his lesson from, from what we saw in part one, where he was sort of like, you know, who, who cares about life? And, you know, this is important. And Megatron's here. Like, it's nice to see him have this moment of clarity of like, Oh, that's right. We're here to protect the people of the planet. That's what this was all about. Mm-hmm. Now, as you said, he's kind of learned a lesson and he's a little wiser, but he's still got a chip on his shoulders a little bit. He hasn't quite come all the way back around because, you know, the, these these little snot-nosed brats are kind of, you know, not, not exactly sure what to do. And Optimus is like, it's not going to get any safer around here. Go! <laughs> And and then they do, but like yeah. you know, he he kind of he kind of snaps at these little kids right after rescuing them from sure death. Right, right. He's still scared. He's still the insecure leader a little bit too. Uh, it, it's a mm. nice nuance to the character. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. So this is this is just a great moment. We get a great throwback where uh, Megatron is towering over Prowl and. I just love that he reminds him that like he remembers like all that time, 50 stellar cycles later, he remembers that, uh, you know, Prowl is the one that took his hand and he's, he's still pissed about it. So, so he's enjoying this to your earlier point. He's enjoying this a little bit, getting this, this revenge, but it doesn't last long because uh, prime swoops in. He talks some real good smack. I'll give him that, but Megs doesn't need him anymore to find the all spark. You know, Optimus has this moment where he's just like, you know, I'm never going to tell you where it is or show you the key, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I don't need you for that, Autobot. The child's key will lead me straight to it. No! I don't need it. Got it right here. Look at my uh, Green Lantern ring of power here. I wrote that down in my notes. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down all caps, Green Lantern decoder ring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It just, because yeah, he just, does. He, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, oh sweet. my gosh. So meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, Starscream and Bumblebee are still hanging out on Sumdak tower. And did you catch this? Uh, friggin' Starscream is so unconcerned with Bumblebee. He's uh first he, he's like uh like a cat with a mouse. The scale on this is out of control. Like Starscream is huge and imposing, and Bumblebee has never been shown to be more tiny. Uh, ah, but like he, he's like he's like <laughs> he's like kicking his legs and all that other stuff. But at one point, at one point, Starscream just straight up juggles him and just like throws him from hand to hand. Like just <laughs> he just has like no care in the world for the, for this. Uh, a little stinker boy yeah it's 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 something <laughs> 
Well, it's kind of in that same vein. Yeah, you have you also have Blitzwing playing good cop a little bit with some deck, and there's sort of that like, uh, you know, he could squash him like a bug at that point, but he's like, ah, oh, why don't you stick around for a second? You're gonna you're gonna like this, and I think it probably plays to the face that Blitzwing had on at that moment that some deck lived through that scene. But I I also like in the sequence where like Hothead Blitzwing is like, Autobot scum. I will help Megatron crush the enemy. Uh, but Lugnut doesn't allow it. It's just like, you know, you know, stay away. That's Megatron's fight. It's it's a reverse hot rod. You know, Blit, Blitzwing did, oh, yeah. a, re, he did a reverse hot rod um, to where it's like, I need to go help Megatron. Stay away. That's that's a, a Megatron's fight. Um, so I, I, I really like that. And as you said, as the duo kind of argue, uh, Sumdak tries to get away. Blitzwing intercepts him, and he's really icy and cool about, you know, you might want to stick around for this. Yeah, absolutely. And this this whole scene plays out to the coolest thing where Megatron calls his troops to the scene, uh, makes this big speech about how he's finally going to get revenge for the 50 stellar cycles. He remained in stasis and worse, the years he spent as a severed head in some deck's office. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a great moment. He trains his fusion cannon on prime, just, just, you know, as theatrically as we've known Megatron can be only to just swing in with the other hand and sock Starscream right with his other fist, uh, using his key, like a Cybertronian brass knuckle or something, right? Just swings in and guts them. Oh, it's great. Talk about cyber key power. My gosh. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, leading up to that, you know, Megatron, as you said, ha- has this thing about like, oh, you know, to me, my my X-Men, I mean, loyal Decepticons. <laughs> and, uh, and, and prior to that, Starscream is kind of having this, moment of uncertainty of like as he's throwing Bumblebee from hand to hand he's like so do I help the Autobot take him down or serve Megatron until a better opportunity presents itself let's see how this plays out we see how it plays out and Starscream just casually tosses B away and he's like, well, it looks like that decision got made for me. I guess I'm I guess I'm rolling with uh, with the cons. And so Blitzwing and Lugnut show up and Starscream does this move where he lands on top of Lugnut's head. Uh, basically 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 like mario stomps like goomba stomps him and he's like oh hey i am ready to serve as your ever faithful second in command um you know just like the old days and it's it's so good i mean i mean again you you already uh talked about the scene but i just i'd love the dripping theatrics from Corey burton's delivery when he's like ah star scream how fitting to have you by my side. I, I oh, love yeah. it too because because he's like, I finally take revenge on the one responsible for my condition. And like you say, he's about to smoke Optimus. Yeah. This this rang so much of of the scene in Last Jedi that I really love when when uh Kylo Ren seemingly turns on Snoke. And there's that sort of play of like, you know, f- he he sees his true enemy and his blade rings true and all the all these theatrics. And, mm-hmm. and it's all to just crush Starscream instead of Optimus. It, it's so good. And then at the end of it, like um, Starscream's dead? Question mark? Because like he he's looking he's looking pretty limp ragdoll there. He just he just yeah, super dead. 
<laughs> super dead, like like just slumps to the floor. And I was just like, it was one of those things where I'm like, that guy dead? Oh, shit. I think that guy dead. Yeah. What a bold move. But I would also say this ain't the first time Starscream has been presumed dead. So I wouldn't I would not presume that it's the last. So that's, I will that, zip my lips. But uh, yeah, <laughs> don't make me blow the secret spoiler siren. No, no secret spoiler siren here. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but but you get you get a reprise of or, or a recontextualization of of the uh will anyone else attempt to fill his shoes type of thing he's yes because megatron's like hey man does anyone else have a problem with my leadership and and it's while it's a cool moment it's like you could tell the moment was deliberate but it also kind of doesn't make sense because Lugnut is absolutely loyal, and even though he's a loose cannon, both figuratively and literally, Blitzwing is is loyal to Megatron and the Decepticon cause. So, I mean, it, it's 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 a great gag where you know they're both shaking their heads. It's like, yeah, no, never, or anything like that. But but I think he also knows that he did follow. They did follow Starscream for a minute, a hot minute, oh. you know. So I think that's a little bit like he's probably never. Maybe he's never gotten over that a little bit. Just a little pissy about it. That's an excellent point. And I don't know if I'm going to relitigate this uh, during my G1 score, but like this whole sequence is interesting because it is kind of like a riff, of course, on. Starscream's coronation and the whole Transformers the movie thing because it's not the first time that uh, the leader has returned in a new body and kills uh, Starscream for his duplicity but it's interesting to see Megatron actually punishing Starscream for once that doesn't actually happen all that often because let's not forget it is Galvatron who does the killing blow in the Transformers the movie like the the whole thing and why that is such a big payoff and why I occasionally get into uh, some disagreements with my friends when we talk about the dichotomy between Megatron and Galvatron it's like oh yeah he's the same guy just straight across and I'm like nah 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 yes Megatron is in there but Galvatron is a different affect of that same personality because Galvatron did the one thing that Megatron never would or could or whatever and finally make Starscream pay. None of that right. matters here because this is just th- this is just straight up Megatron, but it was interesting to actually see that play out as opposed to like, you know, what is the dynamic between this Megatron and this Starscream? Obviously there's, you know, scheming and kind of like a, a reluctant allowance, but for Megatron to be just like, yeah, eat some key. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I am done with your shit is, is kind of a, is kind of a bold thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and right after this awesome scene plays out, we get this like glorious transformation of Megatron with this beautiful, like Decepticon purple speed lines background. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we see that he's a weird, I wrote down weird, cool, futuristic helicopter. Uh, I love it. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I, I mentioned the the character design earlier, but yeah, I guess let's talk about these both in tandem. You mentioned the vehicle mode, so it is like a, a bizarre helicopter, and, you know, several weeks ago, I had talked about my adventures at Sidefest Northwest, our, our uh, convention here in Seattle, and I saw one of those weird-looking helicopter Megatrons. Now, I, I've seen that before. It's not like it was like a big reveal for me. Well, it was a big reveal for me, but I knew what it was is what, I, what I'm trying to say quickly. Um, but anyway, I saw one of those toys and I'm like, not yet. I'm not ready for this. I haven't met him yet. <laughs> but like now I'm like, oh, I kind of regret leaving that on the table because that that is it's a killer design. And yeah, at a time like, you know, I I. Obviously, I'm a you know G oneer in in by, by by generational burden or whatever. But like, I'm not one of these guys that that laments that Megatron isn't a gun. Like Hank mode Megatron always rang true with me. Cybertronian jet Megatron, fine. I I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Like when he's like an occasional triple changer, that's fine. I I I really don't care. So it, it is interesting that I saw Earthspark before I saw animated. So I'm, I'm accustomed to seeing a vertical takeoff and landing Osprey type helicopter thing. So, yeah. I mean, it's canon a couple different ways and I like it. It's sleek. It's, it's, I, I think having the fusion cannon at the nose is a little awkward, but shrug, it's fine. You know, it's like, it doesn't bother me, but I, I like the sleekness, but I also want to talk about just the character model design of this Megatron because he's he's a pretty killer evergreen Megatron. You get you get the colors, you get um a lot more red than than usual. Um so it it's classic, yeah. it's classic gunmetal gray and silver uh with with that pop of red and the big big heckin' cannon. It's, it's got the little notches right where you want them. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and oh, like there. his, his legs, you know, like his boots look like his, uh, you know, it, it very much evokes G1 without being G1, um, in terms of like the, the character design, even down to like the helmet. I really like this, uh, this take on Megatron. I think, I think it's a wicked, wicked design. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah. I was going to say, I, you know, I never really realized until you said it just now, but like, yeah, his lower legs sort of have that like gun handle. Uh, uh, gun handle. Is there a better word for it? It's no, kind of, I don't. I don't know pieces of guns. I'm sorry. I'll admit that now in front yeah. of the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does. It does evoke that. That's really cool. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. You know, I I had a toy of. I think I had the Cybertronian Megatron for a hot minute, and at that time in my life, I just wasn't a Decepticon guy. So I think I ended up selling it pretty quickly after I got it. But but one day, I I hope to get. Uh, that one, that Cybertronian Megatron and Cybertronian Optimus from this series, that Battle Damage 2-pack. That'll be, I'm going to put that on my grail list. Yeah. But all that to say, I mean, I really like this version of it and how it's a little bit uh, a twist on what we've seen, that Cybertronian mode that we've seen so far, but still evoking Transformers animated and evoking G1 Megatron. So yeah, it is a really nice, uh, really nice play here. It's a cool design. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the transformation sequence, but as if Optimus Prime's wheels on heels uh, combined with the thruster axe wasn't an iconic moment enough for me, this knocks it off because 
one of the the delights for me being a first time Transformers animated watcher like you know and we've talked about this both on and off mic about like what is my temperature now that I've been immersed in this Transformers animated world like do I how surprised am I or like you know what what new stuff is still there for me and I got a terrific surprise that I didn't even know I was asking for something I didn't even know was a thing when uh, when Megatron calls down uh, the Decepticons and he gives his command, finally, after all of these years, we get the, you know, and I talked about this a lot with one of my favorite Optimus Prime phrases is transform and roll out. We play it before every episode. Yeah. You heard something different at the beginning of this episode because... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all of my friends, all of my folks, we now have the Decepticon equivalent, and I cannot think of anything more appropriate than Decepticons transform and rise up. Fucking oh. love it. And I I yelled. I was like, holy shit. Because like I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know how to react to it because it was like it came suddenly. And and again, it's animation. It moves fast. It does. It doesn't linger because, like you know, even Corey Burton just kind of throws it over your shoulder. He's like, "Decepticons, transform and rise up!" And then you get immediately into the speed lines. I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait! Go back to that. Go back to that thing that you <laughs> right. just said. That thing that I have never heard before anywhere else in the lore." And it was just like, I mean, I my my mind was blown. And yeah. part of it, like once I started thinking about it, like after like the initial burst of uh, euphoria kind of kind of waned a little bit, I think I think it resonated so hard with me because it means so many different things. So you, you take it kind of as the flip side of transform and roll out. Right. The Autobots are ground pounders. They're vehicles. They're literally rolling out. What do Decepticons do? They fly. They fly now. They fly now. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and so, yeah. So so rise up is 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 the perfect opposite to roll out. But also, depending upon which version of canon you want to believe about Megatron's origin, about the origin of the Decepticons, you know, was was he a gladiator? Was he a miner? Was he, you know, a, a, a part of the underclass? Was he part of the dejected that, that you know, caused an uprise? So rise up could mean several different things. And um, and it's funny because this kind of predicts lore that hasn't really happened yet. You know, so it's like, I mean, because they really get into that into into the comics. But in 2008, I think the closest we had to that was, I don't know what, like in a Transformers UK annual from 1986 that says (laughs) that, that Megatron was a gladiator. And that's what I mean, like the original Decepticon story was kind of like a Spartacus type of situation. You know, Megatron was kind of more of a Spartacus like figure that led this this gladiator uprising type of thing. And then it basically kind of got recontextualized as, you know, um, um, classism and, you know, the Megatron feeling um, dejected and uh, found uh, like-minded bots. Right, right. But anyway, that's that's Decepticons transform and rise up. I just, I, I was, uh, I was, I was floored, and my mind was blown. It was it's uh, so awesome. Yeah, it you is know, so I, cool. 
I wonder if it was, it, it'd be interesting if it was just them trying to match the sort of cadence and style of rollout, but what they landed on is just, I don't think he even real Marty Eisenberg even realized like how maybe he did. He's a great writer, but yeah, yeah, how, yeah. How, how much that would spell out for this character and the Decepticons for the free generations to come. Absolutely. But as, as awesome as the sequence is, you know, rallying for the Decepticons, where is Black Arachnia? What is Black Arachnia's deal? Does she roll with the Decepticons or what? And because, like, the only time we've seen her actively with the Decepticons in the entirety of this season, the entirety of the show, is when they're on the bridge 50-something years ago. You know, it, yeah. it, it's very odd. Um, I mean, she... And, and even to the point where in Along Came a Spider, she gets in Prime's face because like Prime is like, well, yeah, you, you're with them now, you know, gestures to her Decepticon badge. And she's like, well, I at least know where I stand with them. I don't know where she stands with them because nobody else is like, well, where's Black Arachnia? Nobody seems to be concerned. And I, I find that dynamic to be very confusing and kind of frustrating i'm yeah yeah i i'm hoping as you know maybe like hopes and dreams for season two maybe this this gets revisited or flushed out or something but right now it i don't know if it's a plot hole specifically but it's it's gappy yeah i i guess if right now at this moment what i kind of like about it is that she's purposely living in both worlds you know she's mm. telling Telling the Autobots, well, at least I know where I stand with the Decepticons. And then when she's with the Decepticons, she's like, well, I'm not really a part of you you guys, you know. Like, it's just kind of uh, waffling for that sake. She's really kind of more of an independent party. She's almost, uh, you know, like a like a mercenary at this point. Mm, sure, right? sure. Kind of living in that in-between worlds. But it doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't benefit her to say to the Decepticons, hey, I'm 100% with you guys. And it doesn't uh, behoove her to tell the Autobots that she is in league with them so or not in league with them so right right keeps all parties guessing i guess is the point i'm trying to make i gotcha i think that's what she's in for well she's a survivor and you know and she is in it for herself so that 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 tracks and it's at at a time where you're selling toys you kind of gotta fill out the the bad guy side so so it absolutely i mean it, it it makes sense yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to touch on this moment that after the Decepticons, uh, after the beautiful transformation sequence and the escape, um, the the downtrodden Autobots have to listen in horror as Sumdeck admits, you know, he found Megatron's head and Sumdeck has to revisit this whole thing. And they actually show the flashback from the original episode. I thought that was a nice little touch. And what I find most interesting about it is the Autobots don't have sympathy for this mistake. Like this would be a very easy kids TV moment of like, it's okay. You tried your best. They're just like, you didn't fucking get it, dude. Like you didn't think this was bad from the beginning. They're mad. They, they come away with that. There's no, there's no love between them. They're still pissed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny because this is a, you know, uh, one of Marty Eisenberg's signature tropes is repeating jokes. And so you you get this sequence a couple different times where where poor Isaac Sumdak, you know, oh, it, it's all my fault. And Optimus is trying to, you know, reassure, oh, well, hey, man, you didn't have anything to do with this. He's like, oh, but I did. I rebuilt Megatron and yeah. flashback. And, and we and we we get a replay of that later. So it, it, it's kind of funny 
how the uh, uh, joke repeats. Right, right. So meanwhile, in the depths of Lake Erie, uh, Ratchet activates Teletran 1 for, for security purposes. thought that was interesting. It discovers Sari riding back on Black Arachnia, as we kind of alluded to earlier, uh, r- riding around on this frozen lake, uh, riding her like a horse a little bit. They banter back and forth, but Black Arachnia isn't taking Sari's shit anymore. And coincidentally, Sari isn't taking hers either. Uh, she's not afraid of the quote-unquote bug lady anymore. So now... Black Arachnia tries to like burst into her mode and scare Sari, but Sari's like over it. She's like, I've seen this. I've seen this trick now. Uh, not, not impressed. And from that moment though, you get this really cool moment of, of Black Arachnia realizing that Sari has been leading her around in circles all this time. And Sari has some great moments in this episode. Yeah. Uh, really some like, you know, reverse comeuppance where she gets yeah, to like yeah. really kind of show off her, her skill and her smarts. I'm glad, I'm glad they got, that in there because frankly she's had some moments that make her look not so great throughout this entire first season and i feel like this episode really played her as heroic the whole time and it it is funny though because like i i like seeing black arachnia so mad and so undone by this child how she's just like (laughs) outmaneuvered by an actual child and it's like word of advice don't mouth off to a giant poisonous spider. Uh, Sari is great here because, like, she's not intimidated by the the giant poisonous robot spider or the giant robot spider lady. Where like Black Arachne <laughs> is like, well, this should intimidate you. And then meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like them sexy heels though. Step on me, spider really? mommy. Sh- <laughs> shout out to our previous episode because they they made a point of emphasis of that at least two other times where it's like she's leaning in with the with the femme fatale. Uh, heal there but before things get really bad before there is a a step on me spider mommy moment uh ratchet decides to uh come to the rescue by resurrecting the ship breaking up through the ice and i i have questions and i don't know so 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 let's just talk about blow by blow i guess so ratchet breaks through the ice first of all i find it odd and a little suspect that without the aid of the key that ratchet is somehow able to repair the ship and he's he's still missing an arm like he hasn't done anything to repair his own arm because again he he doesn't have access to uh the key or the allspark or anything like that so we we can litigate that further as we go. I again maybe it's a passage of time type of thing like in terms of like when the last time we encountered the the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald uh, down at the bottom of Lake <laughs> Erie there will, yeah. if you will. So obviously time has passed between Sound and Fury and Megatron Rising but it it seemed like at the time that the ship is pretty busted up. Again, this episode is littered with, don't you remember last time, uh, that kind of thing? Because this was the plan before to, I'm jumping ahead, but like, you know, to lead the Decepticons off planet. But it's like, but the ship is broke. So I don't know if the implication is like over this amount of time, they've been uh, being tireless mechanical bots and and working on the ship and fixing it and maybe it's 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 all fixed now but 
that I mean, I, I I'm all for a good rescue where you know uh, uh, Ratchet breaks through the ice here, but it just underscores questions that are harder to ask when you're doing a larger conversation like this, as opposed to in a 24 minute cartoon that moves at a at a rapid pace. Because this episode goes so fast, you don't even realize that that's a thing until you go back and start writing notes about it. Yeah, I guess it wasn't that jarring for me because we did get that episode where they've been down there a couple times now. Clearly, you know, Prime made a point to be like, Ratchet, we got to get this thing working. So I can conceivably see where but we're behind the scenes. What we haven't seen is Ratchet putting some time into into getting this fixed up. And now either Prime ordered it or Ratchet's like, okay, well, I got to make up for not having a hand by getting this ship. I can't. I can't fuck around anymore, right? The deadline's here. I got to turn in my work. Yeah. Um. So so he's down there working it. But I also just, like you were saying, I just love a good explosive rescue like that, yeah. right? Like like the, the, the iconic scene of their ship bursting through the ice. Um, there was something sort of Star Trek, the movie about, or like the, yeah. the film series where you're not just a ship floating in space, but you're like viscerally using the Enterprise to, to rescue yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. Love it. It had that kind of vibe too, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so Sari is in trouble here, and she gets out of this pickle by checks notes, biting Black Arachnia's hand. <laughs> and um, yeah. And uh, I, I have more questions because it's like, it could be, you could argue that, well, we don't know what aspect of black arachnia is truly organic or not you know she keeps she keeps referring to it as my organic half but i think maybe that's just a pejorative for you know just because you know who knows how much of her biomechanical (laughs) because yeah did sorry bank on like she's like maybe the organic half is the half holding me (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but you hear a distinctive metallic clang. So yeah. it's like, unless uh, Sari has adamantium teeth or something else that, again, it, it's a cartoon. And I don't mean to be hand wavy and brush it off because I know we really try to avoid that here because it is a fun visual gag. And yeah. I I will say I don't think this is a gaff or I, I think this has a purpose here. And I... I, it's one of those things I can't talk about yet, uh, but I think this—I think this is a very, very deliberate scene, and not just like a "oh, we need a way to get her out of Black Arachnia's hand." Oh, um, okay. I think there's more to it, but I don't want to get too far into that. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so, but like, I—I I do like the the rapid pace and quickness of this action because it all happens very quickly again everything in this episode happens very quickly if not our conversation about it but like but black (laughs) but uh sorry bites down on black arachnia and immediately she's like youch flicks her away and like in one smooth motion without even like you know the equivalent of like a one take one shot type of thing ratchet just like reaches out grabs sorry rescues her pulls her back in and off they go just like as if, yeah. like as if it was nothing that the just the casualness because it's like yeet and sorry he's like ee! it's like grab right he just rolled down the automatic window quick snatched her bring her back yeah very <laughs> casual Di- didn't even break a sweat yeah yeah exactly. didn't even bend a fender I, I do think there is a missed opportunity uh like for a for a stinger to this episode where where 
black arachnia getting bit by a radioactive human mm. kind of turns her back into a human but she's she's closer to what she used to be but she's human and she's like no oh my gosh yeah so so she's just um she's just alita one like with the ponytail and stuff yeah Ooh. yeah but like like human version H- human former tfa uh, alita one yeah with, 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 with the blonde hair and all the all like the yellow and stuff that's something. Yeah. That's something. Yeah, that could be oh. that could be a thing. Or it's that old thing of like uh Beast Beast Wars Transformers, like can they take the forms of humans? Like can we have like a like a transformer whose beast mode is a human person? Mm-hmm. That could be that could be something. Yeah. So we yeah, I guess along with this this moment in the in the cockpit of the shuttle, um or bridge, I guess. Yep. I don't know how it works. Yep. But Sari gets another one of her great moments, uh, where she gets to Raz Ratchet about losing her key. This is another like come up thing that I just appreciate them them getting in there. Well, and it's interesting because of the folks that have tenuous relationships, Ratchet and Sari isn't necessarily one of them. Like there, there isn't necessarily anything said about it, but they're, they're kind of sort of still homies, despite what he did. It's more about like, yeah, because like the, the, the dialogue even starts with like, oh man, we're, you know, we're, we're all fucked up. And, and she's like, shrug. No problem. We'll just fix him up. It's not like you lost the key or anything. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> tugs at collar. Yeah, <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great a lot of great scenes like that. Uh really appreciate here. Yeah. Uh back, so back at Sumdak Tower, um Marty Eisberg is a master of like the transitions, I think. Uh back at Sumdak Tower, they're kind of arguing over what to do next, who's gonna save Sari, you know, should Sumdak come with. Uh but Sari has clearly already saved herself. And I she has a great hero moment here where she just kinda like drops down on the roof uh, with a very heroic pose Whoosh. and i was like yeah yeah she is capable you guys this uh this blast of wind is is as deliberate as it is awesome and and i missed this here a moment ago because like so so again like speaking to the relationship between sorry and ratchet like they're they're still kind of homies and Ratchet says something to the effect of like, well, given the choice, I'd rather face down Megatron himself rather than tell you that I lost the key and cut to the monitor where Sari's like, um, Ratchet, I think you may get that chance sooner than later. And I, you know what? I, uh, it's, it's great dialogue, but it, it underscores a couple things like sorry doesn't know what Megatron looks like. And even if she did, does she know what his alt mode looks like? Does ratchet know what his alt mode looks like? Does he know that that's Megatron? I don't know. Again, I'm well, actually sorry does know what Megatron looks like because the all spark gave her a vision of him. So actually this plays right into that. Well done. And and we don't even know how much uh, that, that vision was like, in her, you know, maybe it wasn't just what she saw. Maybe it was like zapped something into her too, like an intimate knowledge of. And if I remember him. correctly, I'd have to go back and watch the episode, but I am pretty sure it's a vision of the future and it's earth mode Megatron. It's not space junk 2007 looking Cybertronian Megatron. I think it, it it's Megatron as we see him in these episodes, I think. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, I think that's true. That's wild. No, that that's, 
Um, that is terrific. And uh, back to the scene that 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 you were just teeing up here. Sorry has this great line as she's having this this superhero burst of of wind in her power pose there. Um, And I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know about that. And it's one of those things. It's like, so my mind is in the gutter, but then I go back and think about it. I'm like, that's not double entendre at all. Right. That's single entendre. Exactly. Yes. It's like, no, that, that, that entendre is, is very singular. And I wrote in my notes, get in losers. We're going shopping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love uh uh sorry's got big uh verity energy here. I think that's pretty Oh hell pretty yeah. Cool for her. Hell yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on for sure. I'm a big Verity fan. I don't know if that do people like Verity? Do you like Verity? Like where, Verity. Do, where do people sit on Verity? That's a great I'm question. A Verity fan. Yeah, uh she's um I and I know we've talked about this in a in a previous episode, but her more than a lot of the other IDW characters, she got a lot to do and it was interesting how uh different writers would pick her up and put her down you know that kind of thing like she would disappear for a while and then it's like well yeah. no uh nick roche is like you know what you're with the wreckers now <laughs> and i'm like hell yes yeah yeah and, and she gets a she gets a pretty satisfying if not a uh, heart-wrenching uh character arc so it's a uh, oh absolutely it's it, it's good stuff no i i think one of my, sorry about a little aside here but one of my favorite moments in all of transformers is in last stand of the wreckers when uh overlord's kind of talking and and verity's like dude megatron's dead and she's like oh this is righteous you didn't even know that he didn't give a shit about you this whole time mm-hmm. like i love that moment and verity being the one the human being the one to deliver it is so righteous yeah absolutely absolutely and i think maybe that goes into what i like about sari in this episode is she you know not just like in in striking a pose but she does sort of like she gets those moments a lot in this well and and spoilers alert for the end of the episode it's like so when she is bequeathed the key by optimus it's earned you know and i know i know we've yeah. said that a half dozen different times during this episode <laughs> or, or during during this show already but it's like you know she again she's a child she's she's 8 years old and she's a she's a stinker but like she's also competent and you know she's loyal to her friends and she can get these autobots out of a jam in ways that they don't even understand so it's um again she she's a she's a pretty great character i i can i do understand why she's polarizing but spending this type of time with her as i have i i i get why you're a fan i i i told i because i I, oh, I, yeah. I appreciate the dichotomy because it can be two things yeah those you want your characters to have nuance and and foibles you know yes absolutely i don't want a character i love all the time and i don't want one i hate all the time yeah you you want them to let you down a little bit so that you know they they can they can bring you they can bring you back up so absolutely well yeah and then uh so i don't want to move past the scene because we got another great sorry moment where she says to her you know similarly to ratchet she says to her dad it's like what it's not like you built megatron in your lab or anything 
You built Megatron in your lab? <laughs> well, actually, Man, no Tug's collar. Tug's <laughs> collar. <laughs> this is my favorite running joke. I love. Yeah, it. it's it's great. And and but Ratchet has a has a really cool aside to cap that off. He's like, on the bright side, now I don't feel so bad about losing your key. <laughs> yeah, because it's like at least I'm not that asshole. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and and it, and oh, it's man. kind of funny. It's a little bit of a visual gag here. Like like Isaac Sumdak is doing like the 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 same awkward finger thing that that Bumblebee was doing in Nature Calls. It, it's just like I oh, I, I don't know what this is, but it's like he's just doing like this weird awkward <laughs> finger thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, but so speeding right along, they have no time for this. Uh they gotta escape. They 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 all make a getaway in, in the Autobot ship. Um, but the flyer's down it almost instantly. You know, you got Megatron and Lugnut and Blitzwing in plane mode and just obliterate the ship, knock it out of the sky. At this point the Autobots don't really have a plan, but the plan is hey, Megatron can't get the Allspark. We know we know that much. So, yeah, so I like this moment a lot because Prime comes around and he says some nice, nice things about his crew, you know, something to the effect of nobody he'd rather be with, right? Yeah. And this is what we've been building to for an episode and a half now of, of you're lucky you have who you have. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting because, like, Prime says it explicitly, like, you know, if we go down, we're going down fighting together. He's, he's, he makes that point of emphasis and he says, and I can't think of a better band of Autobots. I'd be prouder to fight alongside. And then, um, I, I mean, we'll have to give the, the secret spoilers, accidental spoilers siren for Bumblebee here. Cause he's like, not even the Cybertron elite guard. Cause I, I sure wouldn't mind having them here now. Question mark. And it's That's such a Marty Eisenberg thing, right? Like you can't, He's so good at like hinting at what's to come. He can't not, you know, even in this moment where Optimus is having this nice moment about his crew, he like Bumblebee breaks in. He's like foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, for me at least it's, and again, th this may be foreshadowing or, or secret spoilers, but like it underscores why haven't the Autobots called for backup? Why haven't they tried to reestablish contact? Like, it, and it reminds me of like it's 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 a cascade of falling dominoes of like, wait a second, it's fifty years later, and you would think now now your ship is broken. Does that mean that your subspace transmitter is broken because there's been no reference to it as far as I know? Um, do you want to drop a dime and try to call Sentinel? No, probably yeah. not because it's Sentinel, and. I couldn't help but think of all of the points that we got in least listener feedback on along came a spider. Like, like Stuart had some great points. Lita had some great points, but all of it led to, wait a sec, nobody went back. And now we, we see now that this is just kind of how the Autobots do things because this crew, this ship has been missing, presumed dead for 50 years. And I never thought about that until now. And Presumably with uh, knowing that they have the AllSpark because like, let's go back. Optimus calls and gets Sentinel and Sentinel gives him shit. And he's like, well, take a picture of what's in our cargo hold. Oh shit. That's the AllSpark. Let me go get Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus comes on and says, oh shit, you have the AllSpark. You know what? Stay put. And then nothing, nothing. Yeah, I mean, unless unless it stands to reason, maybe 
the, the this Cybertron elite guard question mark has been scouring the cosmos looking for these folks for 50 years. I don't know, but yeah, um, I was going to say it kind of, it kind of strikes me as like the, the plot point in, uh, uh, rise most recently in rise of the beasts where it's like, they mm. just lost track of them and space is big. There aren't these mapped hyper lanes. They could be anywhere. And, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, 50 years is not that long a time to, to explore the entirety of what the big bang created, you know? So that's true. It, it kind of makes sense to me that, that, that they would haven't been picked up yet. You know, that could go back to it too. 50 years is sort of the blink of an eye to Cybertronians, right? So maybe, True. you know, maybe True. on both sides back on Cybertron, they're like, well, they haven't been missing that long. And, you know, they all woke up and they're like, oh, 50 years. I guess that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Just kind of brushed the dust off your shoulder. <laughs> um, like I've been asleep for longer than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, also, before we get too much further away, you see... The Autobot ship crash and you see the Autobot ship crash on Dinobot Island. And I, uh, I could not help but notice the imagery there of a, of a ship sticking out of the side of a volcano. And I'm like, let's go, let's do this. (laughs) Uh, but, but no time to reflect because it is time for attack. It is lost and found round two. Uh, you know, it, it's Blitzwing V, uh, Ratchet and Bumblebee. And more importantly, it is Lugnut V Bulkhead round two. These, uh, both of these fights are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The moment where prime battle masks up in the, in the battle rack, uh, breaks out like I love that. Um, yeah, I wrote the same thing. Bulkhead v Lugnut, and it ends with Bulkhead triggering the poke with his wrecking ball. Yep. Oh, that you talk too much moment is just sweet. So yeah, so I I I want to go back to the 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 beginning of this uh, Blitzwing fight because I I know we want to talk about Bulkhead and the and the poke. <laughs> I, I I've got some I've got something on that. Um, but like so. Ratchet and Bumblebee immediately are like, well, let's cross the streams. Let's combine our powers. But I like this thing after after Blitzwing gets hit with the EMP, he kind of doesn't know what's going on. He's like, huh, this is kind of weird. Oh, shit. And instead of being like terrified, he's delighted because it, it's random Blitzwings in, in control. <laughs> he's like, oh, Right. Which which I thought was great. But yeah, man. So like like you said, in this uh uh bulkhead v lugnut, you get the the triggering of uh of the poke. There's a big red button on it. And I want to go back and watch uh Lost and Found again to see if that had a big red button on it, because I didn't remember it. Everyone pointed that out, but I didn't remember seeing it at the time. But this one very explicit, very deliberate. And yeah, done. He, he poked himself. Lugnut poked himself. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Or did Bulkhead do the poking? I mean, he got, he got in there and pushed the button, but uh, yeah, I love it yeah. either way. It, what a cool, what a cool finishing move for this battle. And then, and then just that sweet, sweet, you talk too much. Yes, please. You talk too much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because like I went on like a mini deep dive last night because, you know, some of these things are, very tropey and very much 
of their time. You know, we've kind of talked about like some of the postmodern dialogue and you talk too much is kind of, kind of one of those. And I, I found like a handful of different uh, references. Like it, it happens in like Star Trek DS nine, like three different times. Um, apparently it happens in an episode of power Rangers RPM. Um, well, I, I don't that. know anything about that, but happens in game of Thrones. You have, uh, it happens at the, the climax of the venom movie. Uh, it's in uh, Westworld, the the original movie, not the not the TV show. It's in Jerry Maguire. <laughs> um, you get you got you got Cuba Gooding Jr. being like you talk too much, um, and then you know because it wouldn't be a two mics too furious if we didn't tie in Transformers animated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, you have it in uh, Avengers: Infinity War as well. Uh, Thor tells that to Thanos, but also, and I had forgotten about this in the Marvel comics, where Shockwave and Scorponok are vying for leadership. You have you have one of those situations where it's, um, I believe that. Um, Shockwave is kind of extolling the the virtues of logic and things like that. And Scorponok's just like, you talk too yeah. much, that kind of yeah. thing. So, so, but yeah, so that, that um, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, but like I found like pages and pages of uh, instances and variations of, uh, of the you talk too much. It is a trope I love and have never gotten sick of. Uh, please bring it on. But you know where it is not? in anything Joss Whedon has written. Hmm. Interesting. This feels like a very Whedon-y line, it and it's not. It does. Because huh. that, that's, that's where I was expecting that deep dive to take me, and it didn't. It's not in Buffy, not in Angel, not in Firefly. Uh, yeah. Nowhere. I couldn't find any instance of it. Yeah, that is, that is wild. That seems like I can think of three times where I feel like Mal said that to someone in Firefly, right? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it has to mm -hmm. be there. But, uh yeah, maybe it was just too much of a trope for him. Maybe he, it's a writer thing, I guess. Maybe he was watching out for that purposely trying not to. But anyway, I love it here is the point. Uh, bring it on. <laughs> it's so good. And, well. and the line delivery is just just so dry and deadpan. It's, it's oh, it's good shit. It makes sense coming from Bulkhead because he is a bot of few words. You know, it isn't as tropey for him. It does feel fitting that someone that, uh, you know, doesn't have to say as much would would use that as a comeback. Whereas Lugnut is surprisingly verbose. Yes. And, and I mean, like, you know, his vocabulary is limited, but he it's always about like the glory of Megatron and the glory of the Decepticon Empire and yeah. all that other stuff. He really does talk lot, too lot. much. He, he actually does talk too much. So anyway, the Autobots are attacked by Blitzwing and Megatron here. And Optimus d uses his grapplers to uh, whip around Megatron in uh, vehicle mode. And you get some sweet switchblade axe where it's like he pulls it out of his back and he's like, snick, which, uh, which I like also. I mean, I like a thruster better, but I'll take a switchblade also. Of course. Of course. Meanwhile, uh, Isaac Sumdak is trying to figure out some way to combat Megatron. And I wrote in my notes, like Finn in The Rise of Skywalker, he tries to tell sorry something that's been a secret yeah uh, it, it's a real like oh i'm afraid we may not make it out alive there is something important i need to tell you and she's like whatever loser i'll talk to you later <laughs> yeah yeah you know we can't get into the, to this too much for obvious reasons but i i was surprised re-watching this uh 
I, I didn't realize that they had hinted at this so early on. What is what this secret ends up being? I won't expound on, but but I, I in my memory they did not hint at this yet. So to have these machinations of it so early was really cool to see. Well, and and I I am telling you right now, I will tell you, I I, I will uh, tell the audience, it is getting harder and harder to really kind of stay spoiler free because, like you know, as we've talked about before. Now I have more of an understanding of these characters in these situations. So now I see like a piece of fan art and I don't know what it is, that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah. it can't help, but like get my gears turning. So again, I'm not looking actively for spoilers, but like, as we get closer and more hints are coming I'm just like, um, I I'm surprised I haven't like, Silent, uh, I've done that again. Side, I, I always call Sideshow Bob Silent Bob for some reason because <laughs> I am like a Kevin Smith fan and, a, and yeah. a Simpsons fan as well. But I, I, one of these days, I'm just going to step on that rake and it's just going to smack me right in the nose. Right. And, and, and really the, the difference is, is why, uh, because like, I mean, I, I told you that I, I watched like, Chris McFeely's uh, uh, Transformers, the basics episodes on Transformers animated like four years ago. So it's like, and I have no comprehension of what that was. It was just a fun video, but yeah. like, I'm sure he revealed the plot of the entire show, but like, I have, I have no recollection of it because it was so long ago and I didn't have the context. Now sure. that I have so much context again, it's getting harder. Yeah. So I, it'll I'm, be fun when I, we're all done with this project to go back and watch that video. And it's just a really heavy handed like spoilers. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, that was there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we're hinting to uh, something and something big and a and a powerful secret. But, yeah, no time for that now, because sorry goes to basically, I guess, commune with the AllSpark to try to get some kind of power to help her friends. But meanwhile, back out in the battle, it's Bumblebee and Ratchet and Prowl, and they're trying to figure out what to do about this Blitzwing guy. And I, and I love this legislation here where it's like, well, what do we do now? Wait for him to turn back into a tank and crash like last time? And um, Ratchet has this icy cool line. He's like, nobody gets that lucky twice. Yeah. But Prowl here, Prowl's got it figured out. Um, <laughs> he, he, he says something to the effect of like, you know, he's, he's, he's deduced that there's some kind of connection between Blitzwing's multiple personalities and his alternate mode. And he knows that Bumblebee is, uh, is, is the one for this task. Yeah. Yeah. I love this scene for a couple of reasons. One, because it's a great dig, right? Uh, he says, he says we have to use Bumblebee's greatest strength and what, my stingers, my turbo speed, your obnoxious personality. I think that's really smart. I also love that our resident detective Prowl, he figured this all out. And just overall, I like that this is the first time in this whole two episode arc that someone finally like took a beat and thought of something to do. There's been so much like, you know, we got to go do something. Everything's bad. We got to go do something. Finally, Prowl was like, hold on a minute. We haven't been thinking. Let's, let's strategize for just a second and get it done. I love yeah. that. I love, and I love that it was Prowl that came to that conclusion. Yeah. Very, very strategic, very logical. Again, stillness, then strike. 
Yeah. Find your enemy's weakness. Yes. And I I think it shows a lot about the danger everybody's been in for this last like episode and a half that Prowl wasn't able to do that until just now. Right. Because, I mean, everything's just happening uh, so fast. And obviously, Megatron has no weaknesses. So, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, just throwing shurikens at a dude is, isn't, isn't really going to help you too much. But I love here how Bumblebee is just actively taunting Blitzwing. Yes. And and again, you you just get some of that sweet, sweet Bumper Robinson and, and it is so good. Yeah, I, I wanted to see a moment where Prowl was like, all right, Bumblebee, here's what I think you should say. And, and Bumblebee's like, nah, I got this. I've been <laughs> I've living my whole life for this. This is yeah, something yeah. Rough, baby. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, tell him what you think about this. And and it reminds me, and again, I, I'm, a, I'm occasionally dull and don't always pick up on things, but I don't know if I necessarily even now piece together the difference between Blitzwing's ice guns and his heat guns. You know, like how it how it relates to, you know, different vehicle types, different personality types. But yeah, you you get this thing where it's like, oh man, you want some heat, have some, have some heat. And sure shit, it, it works. Um yeah. I, I love it. He's just like, oh no, not again. God damn. <laughs> if only there was some way he could get himself out of that situation, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> no, I imagine the personalities are fighting each other too hard. Maybe maybe his jump to the forefront because he got so angry. They sent the angry one in. And I just love that oh, like yeah. he just couldn't counter from that. I, I would like to see like a POV shot. I think we've talked about this in other episodes where there's almost like a a, a meeting of the minds where it's like they they correspond with each other of like how they're they're going to handle situation. It's like, no, nope, this one's all you. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. They did the agent Smith. Uh, the rest of me is just going to sit this one out. I would like to see something like yeah. that where it's it's literally like in Blitzwing's mind and like, you know, like the other two are just like, come on, man. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. But yeah, so so we get back to Sari and she is begging the AllSpark, you know, just just like beating on it on its casing and like, you know, she she doesn't understand why she was chosen. She doesn't understand what to do. And again, I'm wondering like, you know, all of that legislation we had a moment ago, this thing Obviously, when the AllSpark opens and and reveals that this DNA code and and like there's like you know the the this blue orb in the in the center of it and I mean it's obviously clues but do you do you remember all of this imagery and all of these clues being um, this heavy handed because it's clearly telling us something right yeah yeah it's such a great moment because yeah uh, sorry yes like why did it choose me and it flashes a glimpse of dna and yeah in my mind i was like whoa that's that's something but uh yeah i i i don't remember it being that i don't remember to be honest i don't remember the visions at all coming from the Allspark. so that has kind of been like a treat for me coming back around gotcha like, there's so much they use it so much to foreshadow and it was like i didn't even know that was there yeah, it's hard, dude. It's getting hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like right, it's, it's right. getting real difficult here. Um, Just keep yeah, your blinders so, on, Mikey. Just I, stay the course. Stay the course. I guess. I mean, I I really hope this stuff gets gets revealed or resolved uh, sooner rather than later, because because I I don't know how much longer I can hang on. It's <laughs> like I, I'm like I'm like Bumblebee hanging off of Sumdak Tower by his little fingers. He's like I don't know how much longer I can hang on. I want a montage of you of just like uh you know 
you like you're like walking through a Transformers convention trying to survive people telling you stuff and you're like, no, no, no time. No, no. And then it cuts to you like at the grocery store and someone just wants to ask you about some cereal. No, can't take the chance. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or like, uh, you know, because like I'm, I'm going to TFCon Orlando uh, later this month. And so I, I figure like I'm going to I'm going to go around, especially like. Josh Press's table. I'm, I'm just gonna be like, like, like Smithers in the strip club. Like, no, no, yeah. can't look. <laughs> Shield my eyes. <laughs> to avoid that aisle altogether. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we uh, we get Megatron here, and uh, this uh, this pretty lopsided, one sided fight with Optimus. And Optimus is is he he's just no match. For uh, uh, for Megatron, like at all, uh, Megatron even calls Optimus a distraction at one point. He's just like, you know, enough. The, these freaking ants, the, these 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 ticks on my ass. You know, it's just <laughs> like just a, enough. So you get a, a reprise of the transformation sequence, and. At first, I thought that it was the same sequence in reverse as what we saw earlier, but I think it's the other way around. I think this is the main one, and then they reversed it for the for the going into uh, helicopter mode. The only reason I say that is because this has so much more to it. Like you see, like his hands pop out, his head pops up. But um, again, I. I know that I have really softened up in my old age because I did not like Transformers Armada, what I saw of it. And I remember being especially off put. And in fact, actually, this is even like 2001 Robots in Disguise as well. But like, I didn't care for like the the Saturday morning cartoon kind of American anime trope of like the power up scene where it's just mm. like, it's all speed lines and then the power pose and usually punctuated with like a symbol behind them or something. I'm like, I'm like, I'm an adult. I don't need that. I, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. But here, you know, again, reappraising things. What a cool sequence. And and I love that Megatron's power pose is just like arms folded, just looking just just nonplussed. Um, so I, 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 I think it's a really cool uh, menacing pose there. But yeah, like like we said, it's it's a it's a pretty one sided fight. The duo make their way into the ship, into the hold where the all spark is. And then Megatron done uh, opens his chest up. And mm. there's a couple things I want to talk about here because, like, so first of all, you could see the dude spark. It's like holy smokes! You see, like, like an actual orb, like you know, bubbling around yeah. in there, and it's like he has a chamber for the Matrix. Like, it, it almost kind of looks very Optimus Prime, very Ultra Magnus looking, where like in terms of like the doors and the folds on it. And it got me to think because, like, I. Again, I don't know if the Matrix is a totem that exists in Transformers Animated because we're, you know, I mean, it's 2008. We're all about the AllSpark um, right. at this point. So, but it, it's interesting to for Megatron to have like this, this pseudo Matrix chamber that certainly evokes what, what we've seen in other media. 
Yeah, it was so cool. So cool to see that animation. It reminded me there's also this uh, scene in, uh, I believe it's in More Than Meets the Eye uh, comic where they open up uh, an unconscious Grimlock and realize he has a slot that would hold the Matrix. And it's like, it's just like the ramifications of like, what does that mean? Uh, so that was really played out there, but that's, that's the same thing we're seeing here, right? It's like, yeah. why do you have room for the matrix? Uh, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and instead he takes the all spark, you know, grasps it. It's like, it, it's a tangible object that he can take from this trunk that again looks like the matrix with like you know we've already litigated that with the orange and the silver handles and and yeah. and all that all that other stuff but like i didn't realize that the all spark was like the this glass ball this 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 orb um and shoves it in his chest right. and i don't know man that movie that came out the year before told me that's that's the death blow <laughs> yeah well, i thought that was such a great twist on this right of like you know that he they didn't want he didn't want that at the end of the movie and now he's like ramming in there himself yeah shove <laughs> yeah <laughs> stick it in my veins <laughs> right right or or so he tries uh it doesn't work out because uh isaac Sumdeck brings that invention he's been working on uh into the fray uh it's cool it's a nice little moment um it does what it's supposed to do he 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 zaps Megatron the leg and he makes this kind of big, bold statement uh, and a great moment for Isaac Sumdeck that like he's been reverse engineering him for 50 years. He knows how to hurt him. He knows everything about his physiology. Mm -hmm. uh, great story point. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Absolutely. And and terrific wordplay here from Marty Eisenberg here, too, because Isaac Sumdeck is like, I know how to disrupt your equilibrium sensors. You're Achilles heel, if you will. <laughs> and and Megatron, for the second time, really kind of tells Isaac Sumdak in no uncertain terms. It's like, you think you know a thing about a thing or two, but you know nothing about Cybertronians and, and the mechanics of the spark. Or, you know, you, you might know about like the machiney bits, but there's there's way more to Cybertronians than that. Let's see how you like being crushed under this Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good stuff, man. Oh, really good. Uh, you know, in the whole situation, uh, Isaac Sumdak's little thing ends up being not a cure to the disease that is Megatron, but, but it buys Optimus enough time to take another jab at him and buys enough time for sorry to toss her old hero back the key. And that is such a great, like... Uh, symbolic moment of like this moment of, you know, they've both forgiven each other. I do still like you, Optimus. I do still look up to you. I do still trust you. And he, that he tosses the key back to him. And, and then the, the, basically the, this, this glass fragile, shockingly fragile glass casing around the Allspark shatters. I mean, like there's an explicit, like glass breaking sound. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes that Megatron is engulfed in blue flame like he had too much Taco Bell Baja Blast. <laughs> I love it. It is that color of teal. It's very Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this sort I was going to say this sort of uh the the crystal that's inside of the All Spark chest uh definitely definitely looks like Vector Sigma. I feel like that's where that kind of uh visualization yeah. comes from so there is some precedent for that i thought that was a nice little little easter egg um but yeah 90%. you're right there is a glass shattering and then that 
beautiful. Co- I love Baja Blast, so I was I was soothed by that uh, visualization. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's why I like that shattered glass sideswipe so much because he's basically Baja Blast uh, sideswipe. I love it. That it's it's like the right shade of teal. It's terrific. I love that figure. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So like, so because of the discharge of energy, it looks like this uh, uh, this volcano basically erupts. Like it's basically that this column of energy bursts out from from the top of the volcano here, and there's kind of a, a bit of a, a coda here where Optimus and Sari are, you know, sitting chilling and Sari asks him, it's like, did you destroy the Allspark? And Prime says, no, it's more like I dispersed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really nice note. Uh, and that's the scene. I also kind of like it because it reminds me of, uh, like the end of the men in black movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith just kind of covered in alien goo being like, yeah, Not bad for your first day of work. Right. Like it's just sort of like two, two uh, grunts off, off the, off the clock here. Yeah. And then, so Optimus also reveals that the all spark key is now the single most powerful Cybertronian artifact. And this is huge that it is too important to be left in the care of a mere Autobot. And 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 that's just huge because he knows, he understands now. And finally, as we said before, he re-bequeaths the, the key to Sari and then who uh, immediately uses it to get to work uh, uh, fixing the Autobots. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. And, and but not before she asks, has anyone seen my dad, dad? Dad, 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 dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like That's a little echo on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's it, it's so good. It's so good. And and again, we get another double ending. I yeah. love it. I and love, I love I this lo- one. Uh, oh, this, this moment. This, mm, as as exciting as the post credit scene for Nature Calls was. This this is kind of like a sequel to that. Like, um, I, I love it. So we see that Megatron still functions. Yeah. And he's uh he's got plans. And but I love this so much because I could, you know, it, it's it's a real images you can hear situation. Cause like when you start top down with Megatron and you see him and he's got a very specific looking set of battle damage, even to the point where there's like little uh, uh, sparkly bits just just yeah. crackling off of him. It's like I could I could practically hear the Vince Nicola score coming in. It's like do 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 totally. do do do, and it's it's like and that was I mean obviously very intentional, very deliberate, but like it was one of those things where I didn't have a loud exclamation to it but it was one of those things where again we're doing gifts here where i was just like oh and i was like oh shit because like i mean it it it's so deliberate with with the the cracking the sparking even to the cracked lenses in his eyes to where it's it, it, it is just so deliberate and it's something to the effect of like you you see that megatron is alive he still functions and he has Isaac Sumdak as his prisoner. And he says something to the effect of here of like, It appears, Professor, that our fates are destined to be intertwined once more. Yeah, he, 
He also says, even more importantly, I hope you're comfortable in your chair. Mm. Oh, love it. Mm. Payoffs on top of payoffs. And and Isaac Sumdak is shown to be trembling with either contempt or fear, or maybe he's just got a pee um, yeah. or something. Yeah, well, he's but, but, curled but he, up kind of in a fetal position, right? It's almost like uh-huh. it's almost like Megatron's holding a lighter up to him, and he's like, Kojira, Kojira. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, nice ref, by the way. That yeah, was, it's, if you want an obscure reference, how about the 1998 yeah. uh, blockbuster question mark? Uh, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that is the end of the episode, and that is the end of season one. Wow. Did you ever think we'd get here, Mikey? Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I, I am, I, I talked about this in uh, our nature calls episode when, when it was all about like the, the end of the road begins here, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I, I am stunned that we got here, but I am also floored by how fast we got here. I'm like, Oh no. That that means we're a third of the way done. Yeah. And on one hand, oh yeah, we're a third of the way. Oh man. Well, that means we're a third of the way done. That means after this third and the next third, there's only one third left. Right. Right. You if know, you're that, down at the pizza, we've already eaten three and a half or about three slices of it. Uh yeah, yeah. Which pot. which is delightful and delicious, but also that inevitability. And it and it's it's kind of interesting to uh reflect on that. And so I'm thinking before we reflect on the season that was and speculate on the the season that's coming, do you want to do my G1 score now? Oh, for yeah, the, for this For this episode. Okay. Yes. So, and this one is very easy. Not a whole lot of legislation. I feel like I kind of laid the, the track here because you've got some very unambiguous imagery. You've got... The, the Autobot spaceship sticking out of the side of a volcano, you know, all of the Transformers, the movie imagery that that we already discussed. So because of that, my G1 score for Megatron Rising is going to be 8.6. That's a biggie. Wow. Yeah. Real Good. high. Good job. Love it. Yeah. I, well, I agree. I mean, uh, you were even telling some to me that I didn't notice, but and I still felt this episode even before that was like, oh yeah, this is pretty heavy. It's high. Almost. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And again, like, like we said, even back in discussing part one, it's like these people saw that the Transformers, the movie a couple times. And, yeah. and, and again, one of the things that you said to me very early on in this project, it's like, you're going to love this because the people that make this are fans and trying to shove in all of those Easter eggs and references. And the cool part though, and this is my very favorite type of fan service. It's fan service that will fly over the heads of casuals and it doesn't distract them. It doesn't, it doesn't give it like, Oh man, well you needed to have uh, read a bunch of comic books or seen other movies to know what's going on. It's like those, those are the best references to where it's like, Fans can get them and casuals that could just that could just roll right over their heads and and the story can continue for sure. I, I would love to see that continue in contemporary media, but I don't think we're going to get it. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is sort of it is nice of change of pace to sort of uh, 
have this stuff be in there and and it's like it's winking at us it's not just like well you're gonna have to you know there's not an asterisk that tells you you have to watch or read something else but but we still get it it still gives us a little warm feeling inside absolutely so i'm a first-time viewer and you're a serial rewatcher, but watching it as a reappraisal so i guess i would like to ask you first before you ask me what was kind of your sense of revisiting season one as a singular thing uh for for this project with that more critical eye uh you know it was it was really cool experience because it, it had been a while since i watched season one because it was one of those things where for a while season one was all i had and i was hot and heavy on it and i kept watching it and kept watching it and kept watching it so a lot of times when i would go to serial rewatch you know, I'd skip around or I'd skip that season. I'm like, Hey, you know, I watched this 27 times and I've only seen season two, you know, four times. Right. So, so revisiting it with a purpose and kind of like forcing me to get back in that seat and be like, all right, you know, back in the day, it would have been like painful to sit through this episode again. No, it was fun. And it was like finding new things. And, and like I've said before, doing it with you, it's just, now I get to watch it through new eyes. It's like, even the parts that may be like a little uh, dry for me are like, Oh, I wonder what Mike's going to think of this though. Like at least, at least I have that at every turn. Uh, so it was really, it was really lovely actually. Yeah. And I, I have to echo that as well. So it's like, this was the series not to relitigate the origin of two Mike's too furious here, but like this was the one that everybody I know was one surprise that I hadn't seen but then told me that I needed to get eyes on. So that's that's why it starts here, as opposed to say like a Transformers Prime or or Beast Wars or Beast Machines or or whatever. It's like no right. TF, TFA is made for you, Mike Seibert. And I'm like okay, uh, and yeah. and 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 I was not disappointed, and I understand now why there's so much love and reverence for this show and nostalgia for it so much so to where now we 15 years later are getting brand new transformers animated universe action figures in mainline in in legacy united yeah and that's a testament to the longevity of this show and how beloved it is by fans because if the fans didn't care Hasbro wouldn't be making these toys. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I didn't get to that earlier, uh, but that was one of the things that really like shocked and surprised me and delighted me that people were responding it to so well. Like there was a moment there where I was like, oh, what if nobody cares? You know, I didn't, I don't remember like a big buzz around when the Prowl figure came out or not, definitely right. not as big as this one, but, but back to back Bumblebee and Optimus, it's like, whoa, people are getting psyched. And I freaking tuned into Twitter and it was just like all over the place. People were talking about this. It's like, you know, they revealed like 30 figures. A lot of people are talking about these too. Still. And, and I think some of it had to do with the leaks uh, ahead of time. And it reminds me of a joke that I didn't make earlier when we were talking about uh, the new Bumblebee figure, because like we saw a leaked listing of like Transformers Uni, UNI. Uh, you know, le legacy uni. And it's like, well, what would that be? So I, I, you know, being, being a little bit of a bumblebee myself, being a little bit of a sorry, some <laughs> myself being a little bit of a, you know, just kind of wanting to cause a little trouble. I, I put out on, on Twitter. I was like, what if this figure is called transformers, legacy universe, animated universe, bumblebee. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I, I I had speculated that the uni was universe and and United is so much cooler. You know, uh, you know, yeah. Transformers Legacy United. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like it though. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I, I like your take on it though too. I take that. <laughs> well, because like I find pleasure in reading off the kind of ridiculous naming conventions sometimes because sure. like because like especially in legacy you know everybody is they're they're identified from where they're from so like when they put a scourge out the you know the evil not nemesis prime scourge but it was like yeah man it's it's uh robots in disguise 2001 universe scourge you know that that kind of thing <laughs> right so right. they're all very they're all very long-winded um yeah so anyway, so yeah, I just I, I think that speaks to the the longevity. And I I put this out on Twitter also. It's like, man, it is a good time to be co-hosting a Transformers animated podcast because like I would like to think that with this um you know new groundswell of renewed interest in TFA, maybe folks will check us out and uh and that would be Here's hoping. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So that being said, we're going to announce what uh, the next phase of uh, the podcast is uh, going to be. But before we close out here, let's uh, let's open up the mailbag and get some uh, uh, listener feedback. What do you say? Yes, please. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right. So uh, most of these are from YouTube. And again, it seems like YouTube has kind of become like the hub for commenting on individual episodes. And it's interesting that like, you know, again, more and more folks are, are finding us there and are commenting. So I want to give a shout out to new subscriber Ichabod Drifts Takeover. Um, in their bio, it says just some random gamer stuff. Most of my work is over at the Pocketbot Collective channel. So feel free and check it us there. The Pocketbot Collective is cataloging all box legend class and related and such. So a lot of, a lot of little dudes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I looked at some of their videos, uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, so this is in regards to our, oh, this is going all the way back to our lost and found episode. Uh, so this is going a few back another great episode. Mike's just a super minor note. Lugnuts punch does have an, another official name that I absolutely love though. I don't recall if it actually comes up in the actual dialogue. It's the poke, AKA the punch of kill everything. Such a ridiculous name for a ridiculous attack. One of my favorite little things of all in TFA. Now, as far as my two cents on your brief transformers comic discussion, I too was unfamiliar with, with Daniel Warren Johnson up to a couple years ago as I don't read many comics anymore that aren't Transformers related. But I found out there was a new miniseries starting with my favorite Marvel superhero, Beta Ray Bill. DWJ did the writing and the art for it and it blew me away. 
To add to Mike S.'s take, I found a bit of the dialogue was clunky and cliche at times, but the overall story he told was well-paced and interesting and also stated the artwork is incredibly dynamic. I couldn't help but love it. So I agree. I think the writing is on the wall for this to be a quote-unquote safe relaunch, but I definitely think we're in good hands with him on this upcoming Transformers comic. Now, we did a little bit of Transformers comic talk during MSRP 400. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. I remain cautiously optimistic. Uh, any any further uh, thoughts or discourse on the new Skybound uh, Transformers comic? No, I mean, honestly, I didn't know much about it uh, before you mentioned it on your 400th. Got it. Uh, so uh, moving on now, our uh, a good buddy, Matthew Barbario, good fan of the show, yeah, Matthew Barbarino. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, he also wrote on Lost and Found. I love this episode of TFA. The battle scenes are fantastic. I will say though, I'm personally not huge on this version of Blitzwing. Some of his personalities annoy me a little, though. I can't help but laugh at some of the things he says. And there is a really great bit that was cut or it was a special short that featured Blitzwing with a necklace with the faction emblems making it flip while singing the transition song from G1. You know, the na-na-na-na-na. Yeah. And, and I do really love that. Um, as for my source behind Hot Rod, or technically Rodimus, since at the time Hot, uh, Hasbro didn't have the name rights to Hot Rod, so it would have been Rodimus, uh, being a jerk character of animated, I heard it initially from Proto Man on the Transformers Slag podcast, and he was told, I believe, by Derek J. Wyatt himself. But it is also noted on the TF Wiki under the notes section on animated Rodimus's character bio page. Sorry, Mike Seibert, a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not too much of one, really. And also, thank you for the Rise of the Beast review talk at the end. It was great to hear your opinions on it. Personally, I really enjoyed it. It doesn't beat out some of the Bay films, but it is the in the top three live action films for me. I wish it had been more to do with the beasts, but I think this will be only the beginning of their story. So that uh that from uh from Matthew there. If I couldn't like Matthew more, he defends the Bay films a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe I'm reaching on that, but that's awesome that he threw those out there. Oh no man, you I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. You 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 guys have uh, very similar uh sensibilities on a on a great many things. Um so a couple other bits of mail I want to share here. This going back to our survival of the fittest episode. And again, we go to uh my dude Matt uh, Matthew Barbario writes a well done review of a great Transformers animated episode. It was great seeing the Dinobots again. I feel like they are underappreciated by fans of TFA. I do like all of the Lake Erie legislation. I have, <laughs> I have long been fascinated by shipwrecks and I've read all about the Edmund Fitzgerald, but completely forgot it was in Lake Erie. I also had to roll my eyes with the song at the end. I don't know what it is. I just hate that song. LOL. <laughs> yeah you and me both out <laughs> i am not a fan either i mean that that song is seven and a half minutes of just 
just a folksy storytelling of right. basically, you know, a boat that sank. I mean, RIP, but it was just like it. But uh, like, so I, it was it was uh, it <laughs> yeah, was how a dare cha- they take something small and expand it to a to a longer <laughs> form? What what kind of <laughs> monster does that? <laughs> oh, man, we're uh, we're we're crossing hour four of recording on a pair of episodes that have a combined running time of 47 minutes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, point point taken. Uh, <laughs> uh, but speaking of the Edmund Fitzgerald song from Gordon Lightfoot, R.I.P., um, we got a comment on Twitter from Imani Drayton. That music that was used in the last episode in that last scene, comma, very sad. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is a very sad song. Very very. But uh, keeping it in the realm of of music, you know, we we uh, a handful of episodes ago we dubbed my dude michael andrews the spark soul brother and i i like to throw in some of that rockefeller skank in there to uh uh, keep it going it really rockefeller spark let's coin it oh there it is there it is (laughs) well that's a button that's gotta be a button yeah (laughs) and and it's just us with like cartoonishly large afros and track suits (laughs) right the car can stay the same yeah i was i was gonna say i mean it's a transformer the, the car right. in the Rockefeller Skank video is a transformer because like, you know, it's like because I remember being like in high school and like seeing the thing like, you know, uh, 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 all the panels flip up and it does like the, the spinning and all that. I'm like, it's goddamn transformer. <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, Daith out on Twitter at uh, at Dartharian uh, tweeted at us. Um, re- with regards to the the Rockefeller skank uh, legislation, is that the actual lyrics? Question mark. I swear I've always heard it as quote the funk's so rubber. Oh my! <laughs> right about now. Uh, is there any truth to that? I guess check I don't it out know. now. <laughs> um and. This uh, this a tweet from Whirl, who we just uh, uh, heard from in Mike Cybert Radio podcast episode four hundred um, as part of that guest panel. Uh, but they uh, they sent us a tweet a, a while ago. I think this was in regards to survival of the fittest. Uh, maybe a little later. Uh, key legislation semicolon. Have we considered that while the key has impacted Sari, maybe Sari's also had an impact on the key and given it is a mischievous side. Mm, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It uh yeah, the 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 key likes to mess around, I think. It likes definitely likes to fuck around and find out and it has definitely <laughs> picked up a a uh, a mischievous side for sure. Totally. Um and to round it out with some comments about our episode on when nature calls from uh, just a, just a couple episodes ago, uh, we go back to new fan of the show, the perfect pitzel, a, another great episode exclamation point. I can't wait for the season one finale reaction. Well, you're here. Yeah, you <laughs> it, made it. It's <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, and mentions uh, I personally listen on Spotify while I'm at work, but I like having the YouTube videos to comment on because I don't use much social media. Which again, I, I'm shout out to the YouTube. That's a that's a great way. Uh, to post things. And on that episode, when nature calls again, friend of the show, Matthew Barbario, another great one, Mike squared and happy birthday, Mike Seibert. Thank you, sir. I love, I love the brief inclusion of the X-Files theme. 
it was definitely an X-Files-esque episode, and I can't help but think that a crossover between Transformers and X-Files would have been awesome. Could you imagine Mulder meeting the Autobots? On the subject uh, of the monster being mutated, actually, let's, okay, so uh, I'm going to stop there for a sec because, like, that's funny. Because yeah. ke- keeping in mind that the Autobots are indeed aliens. Right. So, right. You know, so, like, Great. you know, re- regardless of the nature of them or whatever, that that would make for, for a really cool crossover. Well, and there have been some weird uh, Transformers crossover comics. That one doesn't seem as weird to me, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And on that note, I'd also like, uh, you know, this might be obvious now at this point, but I'd also like a crossover with uh, Transformers and Men in Black. And let's get someone to turn into the Men in Black Cadillac. Oh, my God. That would be so cool. Yeah, that's what I want to see. That would rock. Um, On the subject of the monster being mutated by something on Earth and the connection to War of the Worlds with the aliens dying from oxygen, this, this uh, this in reference to the Space Barnacle monster, by the way. Yes. It made me think of the 2001 Justice League series. It opened with aliens that end up being defeated by sunlight as deep space aliens aren't used to it. That was just an interesting little connection I made. I also love the continued comrade kid legislation. <laughs> it had me cracking up, especially the added music with it. Pure perfection. L O L. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really great, really great reference there, too, to the 2001 Justice League. One of my one of my personal. I don't talk about it too much, but I was a big fan of that show and collected figures from it and all that. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Excellent writing. And then finally, our last bit of mail. Um, This uh, this again with our When Nature Calls episode, Uh, this from Abers 0737 at Abers 0737. Great episode and happy birthday, exclamation point. Thank you. Nature Calls is the first episode I remember watching as a kid and rewatching it for this podcast was very nostalgic. Hope you are ready for the next episodes. They are going to be awesome. Yes, I can (laughs) confirm they are awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I I hope for your sake, Abers, that we did uh, did a justice to your favorite nostalgic episode. Absolutely. And I can't wait to share the listener feedback on this uh, this tandem episodes of Megatron Rising Parts 1 and 2. But we don't have a new episode coming up. Um, aye, aye, aye. Yeah, I know. So let's uh, let's kind of talk about the briefly before we we get out of here, give some announcements and kind of talk about the future trajectory of the podcast. Um as you know, and as we've talked about a lot, this is obviously it's it's a labor of love, but it's also not without labor. Like it's a, it's a pretty laborious task to watch the episodes, discuss the episodes, record the episodes, edit the episodes, publish them, and keep the momentum going. And it's um it's hard. I mean, I I don't want to you know not have a good handle on my privilege and say podcasting is hard. It, you know, it's, it, it's not that, but it, it does take a toll. And I think lately we have been feeling that in different ways, as well as just kind of like the, the weight of life stuff. So we're, 
announcing here that we are going to take a brief hiatus. We're not going to jump back into season two right away, but please do not despair. This is not the end of the podcast. We are continuing. We are definitely doing season two yes. and, we, and, and definitely uh, going forward. But I think after this sprint to the end of season one, I think we need a little bit of a break. Yeah, I think. And I also think it's a great time for people to catch up. Maybe if they're a couple episodes behind, uh, I know that happens in podcasting. I don't expect all of you to listen the minute it drops. Uh, but yeah, if you want to catch up and you know what, if you could tell a couple friends about it, get us a couple extra downloads in the meantime, that would, uh, that would mean a lot. So, so plenty of time here while we take our little breather for, for you to catch up and get people caught up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell your friends. And again, it's, it's, it's no, it's been no better time to be a fan of Transformers animated. So that's, uh, that, that, that's what we're really excited to be here for. Um, in the, so in the long term, we will be back. We're probably looking at approximately the first of the year, but maybe a little after that. Not exactly sure yet that that's all TBD because basically we're, we're just going to take a break for the holidays. But that is not the last time you're going to see us. Um, and again, still very TBD. We were actually workshopping during this, this recording session. So, you know, there's still a lot of things we need to think about before we make a formal announcement. But I will just leave you with a, a, a not-so-subtle hint. Halloween is coming, and it's Michael Andrews' favorite time of the year. And then also... Uh, we just celebrated my birthday episode. Well, somebody else has a birthday coming up in the first part of November. So sorry, Stumdeck. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yes. Oh, so instead of a Michael Andrews birthday episode, it's a sorry Stumdeck birthday episode. Yeah, that's how I we'll tie it. Is. Keep it in universe, right? <laughs> so yeah. So we uh, um, we're gonna step away for a few, but we will be back. Uh, before the holidays, maybe during the holidays, but not relating to season two. You know, maybe we're going to do that, that retrospecticus, that, that respecticus that we were talking about, because there's some other stuff that we can reflect on. Plus, you know, get more of your listener feedback. So, so there is stuff to do that we would like to do before we jump in face first into season two, but it's not going to be next week. And it's not going to be the week after. So, you know, yeah. look look for announcements for uh, uh, on our social medias. And maybe I'll figure out how to post something on YouTube also. Because I see, like, actual YouTubers that know how to do that stuff. Like, I <laughs> I see Chris McFeely announcing videos. Like, he just puts up, like, a like a thing that's like, oh, hey, this video is about to drop. So maybe we'll put something there. Maybe we're going to do some live streaming. Maybe we're going to do some slumber partying. Um, there's there's a number of things. But in the meantime, with your feedback, which we greatly appreciate, also, you know, this is as much your show as it is ours. Let us know what you want to hear from us. Like, like, do you want to hear like a commentary track for Dark of the Moon? Because that seems to be something that Michael Andrews wants to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so yeah, anyway, so so just um, you know, I'll mention it in the in the pre-recorded uh, exit here. But I do just kind of want to let you know that we are on social medias. It's two mics, two furious with the numbers two, so two. Mike's too furious. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And email address is two mics too furious at gmail.com. Um, so message us in any of those 
individual places. Uh, Michael Andrews, if folks wanted to correspond with you directly, separately from from the two mic stuff, how uh, uh, where where can they find you? Yeah, probably the best best blessed place. <laughs> best place is uh, Twitter, and I will never call it X. So find me on mm. Twitter and <laughs> tweet at me all the time. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's it. the best class at, at Michael Andrews, spelled Michael the weird way. Awesome. And I am in all of those places as well. I, I haven't made it to any of the new places. Like I'm on blue sky. So I, I made it to where the sky is blue, but I don't post there. I, it's like I, I put like one photo of my sideswipe collection and then another thing saying like, hey, man, come hang out with us for episode 400. But um, yeah. but I, I haven't. I mean, I, I'm going to. I mean, like, like Dr. Strangelove, I'm just uh, like, like Slim Pickens. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick with Twitter until the very end. Basically, I'm going to stick with it until it costs me money. Um, But anyway, that's, that's where I'm the most active, but you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as well in a couple different places and a couple different aliases. If you just type in Mike Seibert, S-E-I-B-E-R-T, you'll find me somewhere so but anyway like during this this kind of brief off-season hiatus please reach out um you know we're we're since we're not doing episodes maybe we do some dank memes and things like that so um i know social media isn't everybody's um uh thing but we're we're not leaving but we are going to uh, uh step away for a few and i don't know i guess before we we get out of here i just want to say hey michael andrews thank you so much for taking this journey with me. I, I greatly appreciate it. You are truly my spark soul brother. And I, uh, I, I can't think of anybody that I would be rather taking this, uh, this journey with. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I echo all the same. This has been, it's been awesome. A chance to really, you know, you know, in, in this, day and age when we, you know, you need to find purpose to do something. It's kind of nice to have this opportunity to be like, Hey, you got to sit down and watch that show you used to love and watch all have the time for it. So I've really, really enjoyed getting that and getting to meet a bunch of people too, along this way. Oh my gosh. All, all the new friends, you know, oh, it's yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to like pull the plane up as I'm trying to come in for a landing, but it's, <laughs> uh, but again, that, 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 that means the world to me to connect with new fans that neither one of us know. And it's, it, it is just such a cool feeling to connect with a, with a new audience that, that we hadn't had existing tether to as well as uh, getting that great feedback from our existing friends as well. You know what? I think we're on to something here. How about we keep doing it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, and and that's uh, that's gonna do it for us for now. Um, until uh, next time, make good choices and eat some pizza. Yeah, buddy. All right. All right, buddy. Thank, I, 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 was, I was really trying. I was really trying. No. I'm, just, I'm like, oh, my God, it's not working. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, oh, let, let me hit yeah, do the me, thing where it's yeah, Let me do the thing right now. Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email, two mics, two furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mikes Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mikes Too Furious. 